0: Uh, welcome to Side Talks.
1: Yep, here we all are in the same location.
0: <laughs> We're in a fucking Zoom meeting right now, <laughs> uh, quarantined to each of our residences. Um, and I'm Rachel Morgan, by the way. I am a creative director for the Sidewalk Film Festival and Cinema. Who are you?
1: I'm Corey Kraft. I have not known the kiss of the sun in many weeks. <laughs>
0: Is that what they call it? Sure. <laughs> oh man, we are so happy to be here on a Zoom call to record. As you can tell, I'm sure the the quality change um, from the beautiful Batwell Studios. But you know, we got this thing going on called the Rona, as I as uh I'm referencing it. Not trying to make light of the situation, but you know whatever. Um, and so we're 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 quarantined. Welcome we to all side have, talks.
1: <laughs> we all have animals uh, in our immediate vicinity. They will make noise. Um, sorry in advance, I guess, if you don't like hearing animals. Um, but why are you listening to this podcast if that's the case? <laughs> so,
0: wait, you can you you? There's no way you like side talks if you don't like the sound of animals.
1: It, it seems like that. I would got be it. I got unlikely. it. I get yeah. it. I get it. Yeah, it's it's a it's a it's a goof. It's a all
0: being cinema.
1: All right, let's do it. <laughs> Get ready for a five-minute fight.
0: Five-minute round one fight. fight. Okay, well, from each of our homes here, I can still see Corey, though, so just know I can still give him this the dirty look that I plan to give him. This is a five-minute fight. About what, Corey?
1: We're going to five-minute fight about uh, a movie that played at the Sidewalk Film Center in Cinema when we were, you know, back in the olden times, the long, long ago, uh, called The Lodge.
0: It was like 45 days ago, but okay, go ahead.
1: Yeah, that time has ceased to mean anything. Uh, The Lodge, um, a, a new horror movie from the directors of Goodnight Mommy which is a movie that we both like. Uh, Sidewalk did a special screening of that back uh, in the actual long, long ago.
0: You're wasting time right now. Sam, have you started the clock? Sam's here with us, by the way.
2: I did not start it.
0: <laughs> Can you start the clock? Because Corey's just trying to burn time it's right a, now. It's a
1: preamble. I'm setting up what the lodge <laughs> is.
2: Yeah. We're I mean, out of control, man. Maybe, Five minutes, go.
1: It's, it's very possible that our listeners don't even recall the, like, what cinema is, so we have to sort of wade back into these waters. The okay. Lodge, horror movie um, starring Riley Keogh. I didn't like it. You
0: liked it. Why did you like it? What do you mean? Okay, so first of all, like is an unusual word for this film. Yeah, I okay. know, right? Like is an unusual – this film is built to be disliked. This film is cold and mean and horrible and terrible and all things that are... Yeah, you're uh, making my argument for me. Oh, my God. But it's intended to be. It's intended to be. It's not a kind film.
1: No, it's it's not. And I can handle that if it weren't contrived and filled with all manners of logic Gaps and, and oh, issues.
0: bullshit. It's funny to me that you can forgive logic gaps and all kinds of other crap, but like little women, but you can't forgive a lot. Yeah, I see your face. I see your L- face. L- what
1: what logic gaps and little, little women, women sets little up, women up
0: a, flipping oh, all on. over fucking time and space in a way that's confusing as hell just because you've read the book 7,000 times.
1: No, no, yes. no, I reject that, but continue.
0: <laughs> okay. I don't think that there's a huge logic issue with this film if you're paying attention I don't think there is. I do think that there's a mean-spirited issue that you're facing and I agree the film is not kind the film is not kind. I don't it's also not supposed to be completely logical you understand that right like it's got this like supernatural tilt it's like there's there's other shit going on in it that's not supposed to be you know like that could, argument we can have which is like it's not completely realistic well hell is that supposed to be
1: I could buy the Dream Logic thing as okay. I could in something like hereditary if this movie didn't spend the last twenty minutes explaining everything that happened in the most like oh. obnoxiously literal way.
0: Bullshit.
1: And like, I'm trying no, to talk around I'm talking around the spoilers because I imagine that many of our listeners will still want to check this out at some point. And I don't want to ruin the end of the movie, but that is where most of my problems lie. Okay. Uh, because it does build an atmosphere. Riley Keough, I think, is a really great actress. She's an exciting actress. Every she's time amazing she pop- in this,
0: she's great in this.
1: She's pretty good in this. She's good considering what she is given to do, which is essentially a feature-length emotional breakdown. Okay. Um, and that's okay. that's really impressive stuff, but what it's in the service of, and again, I'm speaking around the ending, honestly pissed me off, and not in the way that like audiences get pissed off when a movie has an unhappy ending, because you know that I can handle a movie that's a little mean to me or unkind, but what I don't like is feeling like I've been jerked around for reasons that are not uh, naturally built up to by the film or like, justifiable within the universe the film establishes.
0: Do you like roller coasters?
1: Yeah, I do.
0: Damn, well, that backfired. Yeah. Uh, I mean, here's the thing. like
1: Yeah, it did. How'd that feel?
0: <laughs> oh, fuck off, off, off. Here's the thing. I, I, It is a cold. I, I would not actually, unless somebody just wants to go through a, a, a test of torture, I would not suggest watching this film while Strongly
1: you're- Strongly agree.
0: The quarantine era of, and but it is one of the reasons why I actually think that I'm currently right about this film holding up. And even though you uh-huh. may not like it, it being a very good film. It captures, it captures the feeling of alienation. It, it has a feminist lean. It's, mm. you know, it is about what it means to, it's about a lot of things, but for one, it's about what it means to be so fucking alone in the world and, and to have responsibilities placed on you that maybe you don't really even want. Um, yeah. you know, Sort of, for one, parental. I mean, I will, again, quarantine, I'm, I'm suggesting don't watch this during quarantine because I think for a lot of people they'd find it very relatable in a way that's maybe, it is not nice.
1: I wonder if it would improve for me watching it now, to be honest. <laughs> no, I, I, I mean that genuinely. But but also, one key thing this movie does have that I think, you know, you were an easy mark for. Oh God. Uh, is, is Alicia Silverstone.
0: Well, oh, and I'm, and you don't think I'm, you don't think I'm an easy mark for basically every woman in this film. I mean, I, okay, well, the there
1: end, are two, so yeah, I guess there are what? There are two women, Alicia Silverstone <laughs> and Riley Keough. So I guess <laughs> that's, that's enough.
0: Two is enough. Um, also, Riley is uh, the grandchild of Elvis Presley. Am I correct? Um, that's correct. So there's yeah. that check. Okay, you have to like this movie for that reason. Also, um,
1: um, I think the the actor who plays her father in the lodge is her actual father he's oh. only seemed like very
0: really 15 seconds let me win I, this thing let me sure, come back and win. like it's an excellent I, I, film you don't like it because it's mean-spirited you it was too mean for you can't handle it
1: empirically i said the opposite of that but fine i mean i'm willing to let the argument end there i don't feel like strongly negative about it it's just well, oh that's
0: not what you said before
2: I, oh
0: it's just not it's just not very good stand just, Damn just good. called time watch goodnight mommy again good night mommy uh, we could watch both of these as a great double feature just not while I'm quarantine
1: yeah because they're the same movie
0: it's not oh my God now now you're completely wrong also um quarantine's a great time to have your entire face taken off and replaced.
1: Are you suggesting that I look you into that? Oh, that's a good night mommy uh, reference. Good night I got mommy reference. I mean, it, took it. it took me a second. It took me a second. All right, Sam, who won this and why was it me? Oh, man. Why was it, Corey?
2: Because you won, I'm going to say you won 1 million points for taking down Rachel by simply liking roller coasters.
0: Sam, <laughs> at some point in time, you're going gonna to have to get your head out of Corey's ass. <laughs> no, okay. I will say this. I will
1: say this. I like, I like roller coasters in theory. The last time I rode a roller coaster was at the sidewalk staff retreat when we all went to Six Flags, and what? I ended that day with, like, a massive splitting headache, so maybe roller so coaster. So you lied
0: about liking roller coasters because you knew where I was going,
1: motherfucker. I, I didn't know where you were going, but okay, <laughs> sorry, Sam, continue.
2: Yeah, I thought bringing up Little Woman into the argument was a little unfair. Rachel's going to lose <laughs> one another one. Um, and Rachel says it's meant to be disliked, but she disliked it. Like it's meant to be. So you kind of did what the film wanted you to do. So by that logic, you kind of enjoyed the film, just like Corey. So yeah, Corey wins the, yes. court, wins the quarantine fight.
1: I'll, I'll take the victory, but I don't understand your logic either.
0: <laughs> Corey's not understanding any logic.
2: Logic out <laughs> everywhere.
0: <laughs> oh, that was a five-minute fight. And guess who won again? Oh, my God. Somebody send a fucking email, please. What is, <laughs> the, what is our damn email address?
2: Podcast at sidewalkfest.com.
0: Podcast at sidewalkfest.com. And say, Dear Sam, please quit voting for Corey every fucking time. Sincerely, Rylou. A kid, Peter. This is the serious time the serious time of the podcast where we have wind chimes it's so serious that we have wind chimes and it's also so serious that I if everybody could see what I could see right now it's gonna be very hard to reflect because our zoom feed is off the train. Um <laughs> so reflections so what the hell you guys did uh, did anybody really truly see this coming to this degree
1: um not until about late february i guess when everybody started seeing it coming but right. um but no i mean the the level of disruption of all of this i mean it goes without saying because everybody listening to this is affected by it too um but it's um <laughs> A really weird time to be in the industry of running a film festival and independent cinema. I'll tell you that much. Given that both of those things are um, well shut down pretty much at the moment. Not that we would have a festival this time of year otherwise, but you know who knows how long term such disruptions will be. We're we're optimistically planning for Sidewalk in August. We understand there's some you know, contingencies and, and some, you know, the possibility that we'll have to adjust our planning and, you know, we're making alternate plans and alternate plans for alternate plans and, and alternate you know, a, plans
2: to those alternate plans. It's,
1: it's a crazy time. I stopped uh, planning I,
2: weeks ago. There's no, there's no way to make plans right now. It's, it's yeah. day by day. Yeah. So so agreed. Day.
0: <laughs> totally agreed. Um, I mean, the interesting thing, I think that's, a little unique to sidewalk is that our timing, right? Our, our timing, which is basically, let's just call it the last weekend in August, right? It's the weekend before Labor mm-hmm. Day.
2: Sure.
0: Um, you know, I mean, it's like if we were happening in June, it's a clear answer. Right. If you're happening in October, it's a clear answer. Like you just October's probably going to be fine. You wait for that. We are. I think this is so apropos to who we are. We're at that moment of like that last little bit of, of August is where it's like, you, you don't really wanna go ahead and push to what, three weeks later in September, right? Or you don't wanna dog pile with everybody else in October where everybody's postponing to. Um, but there's a chance that we're not, I mean, look, there's a chance we're ready in June, to your point, Charlie, like there's a chance we're ready then, right? But there's also a chance, like August isn't exactly what I'd call safe, in other words, like we're not landing in a safe spot, but we're also not landing, you know, in, in the target either.
1: As as rapidly as this keeps developing, I mean, it was yesterday that Cinemark, uh, one of the larger theater chains in the country, announced they're planning to reopen July first, right? Yeah. Um, and um, that's an optimistic target. But as rapidly as things are changing, I mean, by the time this episode drops, who knows what plans may have been conceived and altered or changed, and what things could have been dropped completely. I mean, there's just the, I think the thing that's throwing me is how rapidly, Mm -hmm. you know, everything keeps evolving Mm -hmm. um, to such a degree that it seems, as Charlie just said, foolish to make any sorts of plans at all.
0: Agreed.
2: Yeah. what scares me the most too, is like um, our, our festival is in August, as we have pointed out, and it is April at the, date of this recording and how many people are going to be willing to go out in droves that month even if we could hold the festival those are the thoughts i started having all all of a sudden um i don't know they're not good thoughts that's why i have to stop planning again because every day that i think oh yeah yeah i I, this is a pretty good forecast for how it could go it literally changes that day like the news about big events being shut down in some major cities. I mean, that's just come out. That just happened, like, you know, on April, what, 11th, 12th, 13th, whatever day it was. Um, I mean, yeah, no one had any idea that, like, first of all, this would happen, but B, (laughs) there would be such a terrible response to make sure that it didn't get worse. Like, it is so terrible. That's really what we're talking about here. Why can't we plan our festival? We don't know who's going to be there to not help us properly, like they've been there to not help us over the last month. I mean, it's been, it's the worst thing I've seen ever in my life uh, politically.
0: Dude, it's the worst thing my parents have seen in their lifetime. And And my, you know, my father was like, I mean, they lived through Vietnam. Right. right. They lived through the civil rights movement. I mean, this is the worst thing that they've ever seen in their lives. I mean, my, my father is, you know, old enough that is a very young man. You know, he lived through polio and had friends. Right. And had pol- I mean, this is the worst thing ever. I mean, this is not a political podcast. And I, you know, I, I, ten- I try not to get political other than anarchy. Sorry, I um, took it there. I'm sorry. But, I took it there. No, but I mean, but you're right. Like, this is a shit show from hell.
2: hmm. Mm hmm. And mm-hmm.
0: I don't know how anybody can deny it. And I don't know why we're not rioting in the streets except that we've been told to stay inside.
1: Yeah, the, the only reason that sort of hasn't happened because of because of the response to the coronavirus is because of the coronavirus.
0: Yeah, yeah. maybe. Maybe. But you know, I and I mean I you know, it's it's again, it's an interesting place for the where the festival lands. It's interesting that we're a size festival. That's not we're not small and we're not huge. We're not freaking South by. Don't get me wrong, but we're not um, we're not small either. But we're also like you know like I bought my pass for Tribeca. Thank you, Tribeca. Great, good work. You know, like I'm I'm excited to do that. But like we're not Tribeca, Mm -hmm. so I mean the films that they're allowing people through the gate to see we don't that's not how Sidewalk functions. You know we don't have a slate of films the same way that people want to premiere at Tribeca or want to premiere at South by or Sundance. That's not where we land in the food chain. Um, and so, our success at doing something completely online is going to be it can't it can't be predicted by something like Tribeca. Um, it, it, listen, and, and then and then the flip side of that coin is the cinema, right? Which is like been in the target since day one. Now, I don't know why, and I I get frustrated. I mean, we all get frustrated with everything right now. I think, but I, I get frustrated with the news media, and then I also love the news media. Like, don't get me wrong. There's all you know. There's all there's all different feelings I have here. Um, you know, because there are good journalists, right? But I mean, important and, and certainly, you know, journalism is, is super important, but this sort of people going after the theaters at the start of this thing really pisses me off because why, how is going to a movie theater any different than, you know, I mean, it wasn't like they were like, all oh, the, you know, clubs are going to shut down. Like that didn't happen, you know, bars and everything else weren't. Not that I want those to be targeted either, do not get me wrong, but it was just sort of like at the get-go, it was like, what's going to happen to the future of cinema? And I've had a lot of conversations about this, and I think one of the reasons why people were going, you know, why people were doing that is because cinemas were already hurting, right? We're not going to deny that, like already, thank you, Netflix, thank you, Redbox, thank you, Hulu, like already cinemas. You know it's a it can be a very diff, it's, a, it's a it's not an easy business to get into that's why part of why we're that's part of why we're a nonprofit. i mean in addition to our mission but like part of why we're a nonprofit. but you know i understand it's partially because the cinemas were already hurting but at the same time you know we there what place do you go to publicly where people don't gather in a small space
3: right um, all right
0: any place you go publicly nobody was like is this going to kill walmart i mean there's people freaking piled up on each other in the aisles at walmart you know so anyway i i get a little frustrated with that because because of the fact that cinemas are already you know fighting for every dollar why why go after the cinema just go i mean don't go after anybody first of all but uh, but also like let's just talk in general about people places where people meet
1: and and can i can i be a little selfish um i just fucking miss going to the movies I miss it so bad. I miss everything about it, even the stuff about it that annoys me. I miss being in an empty theater and having one other dude come in and sit directly in front of me, which is something that like a couple months ago would have driven me up the wall, but now I would take it. I just miss everything about it so much. um, Well, that's the good
0: news. That's the that's what, I mean, that's why I kind of object when you say is that, you know, it's all bad news. I mean, yes, it's, yeah, I mean you're right. We're we're in the middle of sh- absolute shit right now. This fucking sucks. But I mean the good news is maybe just maybe people are recognizing just how important it is to gather around a film and yeah. like how maybe maybe this just exhausts people from their sitting on their ass on watching Netflix. You know what I mean? Like just recognize mm-hmm. now now it's like we don't have to say imagine a world in which the cinema doesn't exist because you are living in it. Mm-hmm. So you know I mean maybe maybe that's the good news. I don't. I mean, again, I'm not much of a like silver lining kind of person, but that's, that's all I can think. I, I will say too, Charlie, like I get really mad when people are like, well, it's gonna be a year because like, we just don't know. I mean, I also get mad when people are like, we're gonna be open up two weeks from now. Like it's just an unknown and, and, and uncertainty is what drives people nuts and it's what drives me nuts. But I mean, there's also, you know, okay, let me get go down this road, which is that, you know, life is fucking uncertain. So right. this is this is a, this just put takes a huge giant yellow highlighter and highlights that but you know and it's it's an everyday facing waking up and facing uncertainty but you know I mean don't we do that anyway we just don't ignore. we don't consciously do it but every single day you wake up you it's uncertain what, could, what what's going to happen
2: the um, level at which the people have had to adapt is yeah. just so so major and yeah. I mean sure. like we're 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 a strange um business to have to try to adapt but but we're doing that and and other people in our industry are doing it too and it's just kind of like yeah i'm with you i don't like people saying like things are never going to be the same again it's like what are you talking about how would you know like if the, anybody else says wall? new
0: normal i'm gonna fucking tear a wall down <laughs>
1: <it>. <laughs> oh
0: uh anything well, about
1: this is normal
0: no yeah. No. And so how, let me ask y'all this. The three of us have not been together since a month. This, this has happened. So, I mean, we're, we're sort of all just touching base right now too, which is something I didn't actually think about before we jumped on. So I'll give Brad some good notes, but my question is like, how are y'all, how are y'all dealing with this level of isolation and, and, and what are you doing? You know, what's, what's going on?
1: Um, I mean, I'm day by day, you know, like, I'm fortunate to have my job. Mm-hmm. I'm fortunate to have something that like demands a lot of my time too during the week so that I can't just dwell on all of this. Does that mean mean I'm not taking very frequent like depression naps? Uh, I mean of course I am, but like
0: Yeah.
1: Um I you know, I I I, I, I don't know. I, I'm doing the best I can, I guess. Um, it's not easy. None of it's easy. I can't imagine it's easy for anybody. There's some days where I just feel like I'm going stir crazy, but then every time I leave I'm terrified. I had to go to the grocery store today for the first time in a couple weeks and you know, it ultimately was fine. The procedures they've they've got them down. They have, you know, the tape making you know taping off 6 feet of distance and most people are generally taking things seriously but there's always somebody who doesn't and you just get so paranoid um when people you know get close to you i guess or maybe i do i don't know um so you know like charlie mentioned a few minutes ago there there's no telling how this is going to affect you know, a populace's mental health um, and certainly no telling how it's going to affect them in time for a an August festival. You know what I mean? Like
2: mm-hmm.
1: there's so many, so many things to consider and I know that we're all considering them, you know, sure. and that's part of the contingency planning, but man, it's, it, I don't, I don't envy Chloe and Jeff and and hickman and everybody who's who's actually having to like put pen to paper on this you know and like figure all this stuff out and make these contingency plans that seems like a fucking terrible job to be honest
0: yeah the logistics mm-hmm. of everything like logistics of um of a live event are, are insane the logistics yeah. of running a cinema are Insane.
1: I mean, they're insane in the best of circumstances. That's mm-hmm. what I'm getting
0: at. Yeah. So I mean, now imagine that 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 planning is a is a moving target. I mean, it's yeah. sort of like the equivalent, just like you say the average person on the street who doesn't do any kind of event planning at all. It's like, oh well, imagine. I mean, I don't know anything about weddings, but I've heard. But you know, it's like that. Imagine planning a wedding. Only the date could be any number of things. Yeah. Go plan that. So yeah, I mean, it's 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 a lot and i mean in programming in a similar way like how do you how do you program something how do you how do you creatively brainstorm when you don't even know you know you don't even know the target right you don't right. even know and and that's the other thing we should acknowledge is that you know on the festival side of things and this this all feeds into awards and the big Hollywood and all of it really which is that on the festival side of things you know we're used to dealing with films that have a particular cycle and you know Sundance had the good fortune of happening and and those and those films sort of um, you know launched into the into the into their festival run uh, which is different now than it was 10 years ago but they still launched into a festival run and then south by didn't happen and i think that the, the night we found out south by wasn't going to happen was was the first sort of gut punch of being like oh well this is going to change everything yeah i mean for us for a year at least because those particular films have a particular type of run and um if you don't if they don't if they don't premiere at south by then where do they premiere how does that work it's just going to change the entire landscape of independent film um in a way that's gonna be, I think, really challenging, really interesting, uh, certainly not anything that we've ever seen before.
1: And as you said, it's going to change it for an indefinite amount of time.
0: But right, we, regardless, we, regardless if we open up next week. The right. The point is that these, that these really important big festivals that make or break fucking careers haven't happened. And, yeah. you know, and I, I mean, I spoke with a few filmmakers that, that sort of week that happened, Hearing that like if this had happened to us like it would have changed where I am right now in my life um, Because that you know that film wouldn't have played and I wouldn't have gotten that job and I wouldn't have got so it is it it has a, a pretty huge impact So Charlie, how are you? How are you coping?
3: I mean, yeah, uh,
2: I've just been kind of trying to Assume everything's gonna be better sooner than later and hopefully way sooner. So I, I just I, I screen a lot of movies, I, I watch a lot of sitcoms that I never thought I'd watch, like just terrible TV. Try, like I usually do that during screening season anyway to clear my head, um, yeah. put on some bad television. And uh, I don't know, I, I've just been trying to assume everything's gonna get better. I mean, I was unfortunately uh, basically effectively furloughed for the indefinite future about a month ago and so you know it's great on the one hand it's screening season yeah. <laughs> uh, but on the other hand yeah it's like money's a little tight and yeah. things are just kind of like you know whatever but um you know i'm i'm as they say uh old poor not new poor so um it's cool i can uh, i can get by i know how to yeah. do that right but, but but yeah, I mean like, I forget what day it is. I wake up too early or too late or go to bed too early or too late. And you know, is it is it a weekday? Is this, is this Saturday? Is it Thursday? What day is it? I don't know what's going on is what I'm saying. And I need help. When here's, is the cinema gonna open?
0: Right, here's what's funny about that. In some ways, I've been training for the last 14 years for a fucking pandemic, in some ways. <laughs> Because this is my summer, right? My summer has yeah. always been, uh, you know, binge, binge, binge on the films that have been submitted and the films that we've requested, and watch and watch and watch, and 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 go down these really, really, just to be frank, fucked up psychological roads of challenging yourself with content, of challenging yourself with the amount that a person can endure when it comes to, you know, trying to be. Th- thoughtful and, and attentive when viewing and doing that for, you know, 14, 15, 16 hours at a time. And so, um, you know, and, and, and isolating because I have a weird thing where this has been very, I'm just being kind of personal here, but this has been something that's been trying on my relationships over the years. And that is that I, I don't really know how to do my job without really shutting down to the rest of the world and being really emotionally unavailable and being really isolated and being really to myself and, you know, um, sort mm. of taking the stony road, so to speak. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to martyr it up here or anything like that, I really don't mean it that way. I, I actually think it's stupid. I think it's a really stupid way to do my job. It's just the only way I, I'm able to do it um, because of the time crunch, because of the level of commitment, because of the number of submissions, because of the fact that we're a skeleton crew. and it at one point it was worse than that and all those things. So, you know, I'm in some ways I, I, it, I I mean, that sort of experience has been my summer for 14 years. Is that sort of like, is it Tuesday? Is it Thursday? What does it matter? I'm having a personal crisis. I'm having a, you know, psychological meltdown and I, you know, and I'm here by myself. And if anybody tries to talk to me, I'm going to fucking rip their face off. I mean, it's all, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, so it hasn't felt that part of it hasn't felt terribly different, but what I've realized is that knowing that there's a deadline and knowing that there's an ending to it is all the difference in the world. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that's that's the difference, right? Is that the, the uncertainty and the end. Like I'm doing that, but without any without the without knowing that you know, well, it'll be it's going to be better at this date because it has to be it will be over on this date because it has to be, that doesn't exist.
3: <laughs> yeah. That
2: deadline is helpful. Most of the time, <laughs> I don't like a deadline, but yeah, in this case, it's the difference between sanity and absolute utter hellish insanity in our brains.
0: Yeah. And, and one of the things that's interesting too, is that, um, you know, I, the same exact thing that I've used before that sort of helps me to get through, I've been doing a lot of now, which is walking. Um, I just, I just, that's the thing that's helped me the most is just put on headphones and go for a walk. And normally that's something I do for like 30 or 45 minutes a day. But lately it's been like at least an hour and I just walk. And then the other thing is I've never in my life, enjoy, other than when I was 16 years old, I have never in my life enjoyed driving a car like I have now. Mm. Like I've just been going out to my parents' place and standing on their stairs and waving at them just to say hello, and make sure they're okay. And they live yeah. out in the suburbs. And so it's a you know, good 25, 30 minute drive. So that's an hour round trip almost. And so, I mean, just that drive has been everything to me. I mean, just loud music, windows down and just, I don't know, there's, I, I think it's just so psychologically something about movement because we feel so stagnant that moving in some particular way is just working on my brain in the best possible way.
1: I have not done a lot of that myself. I've taken walks, but I don't, I haven't been driving.
2: I sit outside and sunbathe for about an hour every day. Um, it's pretty nice. Um, yeah, I mean I have to sit in the sun for like, about an hour or two before or, or i feel like just a little different like i don't know and i haven't wanted to get out of my house and i went to the grocery store once so far um i'm still feel like i'm like well let's see if i'm gonna get sick just yeah. from going to the store once with a bandit mask and everything right. i had on um but like yeah i mean so so yeah like sunlight's good movement is totally good driving in the car listening to music is like lifeblood for me so I totally feel that like I have to do that that is the one thing I have done like no particular destination but now you're not supposed to go outside I'm afraid I'm gonna get pulled over for no apparent reason I'm just driving around listening to music I'm gonna get pulled over what's going on like it's crazy town
0: it is so I just try to
2: stay out of trouble about all that
0: it is crazy town
2: well Sorry, we have- I wish I had a better conclusive uh, piece of information about it, but I don't
0: we have all the answers here we know um, exactly when everything's going to end we know when things are going to get better we know that they are going to get better Uh, we're just gonna um, yeah we're gonna auction off that information at a later date
1: you can the only way you can uh, find out is to buy a sidewalk VIP pass
0: when you buy your sidewalk VIP pass, I'm going to hand you an envelope through the computer <laughs> screen that will, you will open it up and the date of when this will be over is on it.
2: You can jump directly into that date into the computer.
0: <laughs> the new, this is the new normal. <laughs> Reflections. What <laughs> <laughs> Okay, guess what this is time for now. This is going to be the weirdest ever of what's this shit? See how I came at you anyway? Corey was, yeah, you did. Down. He was on Zoom looking down, and so I took the opportunity to hit him with what's this shit.
1: I, I was startled.
0: So I have some news. Okay. The Gold's Gym has closed every location in Alabama. Hmm.
1: Like, Why? Is, is something going on?
0: Um, indefinitely. Well, actually, let me just say it different forever not even indefinitely like they have they have re yes there's there's this thing called the rona ah. and they closed the doors um i actually went to the gym on a day past like i was in the gym actually thinking like i don't know if i should be in here <laughs> like it was well past the like it i mean nobody was shut down yet the cinema was still open. like nothing nobody right. closed yet but it was just a, like there had been some chitter chatter and um as i'm walking past two dudes that weighed you know 700, 800 pounds, uh, worth of pure muscle and sweat was slinging off their head and onto my neck. I was like, I probably shouldn't be in here.
1: Um, sounds uh, horrible even mm, in non pandemic times.
0: Yeah, it was, but you know, bitch got to get on the treadmill. That's right. So, um, anyway, point being that uh, they are now closed forever. So I don't know what we're going to about the cardio cinema. My hope is that somebody else comes along, resurrects the gold's gem and brings back the cardio cinema. I don't feel bad actually name dropping now because nobody can get a membership there anyway, um so I don't feel like I'm doing free advertising, even though the thought of somebody listening to this podcast and actually acting um on on, on purchasing a gem membership because they heard me mention gold's gem is and the most is a more insane thought than what than the situation we're in right now
1: It seems really unlikely you've not you know
0: <laughs> painted
1: it in the most flattering terms all the time.
0: Ah. Um, anyway okay so the good news is that time that I went I do have a I had a memory that it took me a minute to extract but I've got okay. it and I'm going to describe to you what was on the screen at the now RIP Gold's gym uh, while I was working out on the treadmill and I was actually working out this day like I was really I was moving I was I, what you might actually call jogging um, for uh, for thirty seconds here and there, and the rest of the time I was mall walking.
1: Sure, sure. What was
0: on the screen was the one and only uh, Mr. Matthew McConaughey. Okay, and um, he's sitting in the back of a car, and there's a handsome gentleman driving him, and uh, and then what I'm going to put in quotes a motorcycle gang approaches the car. That's the Red Devil. I'm so sorry. There's somebody walking by. Well, I think she knows the answer to this film. Do you?
1: I think I do.
0: Okay. Um, I don't have much more for you. So if you want to go ahead and throw a guess my way,
1: I think it's the Lincoln lawyer.
0: Okay. That sounds, um, correct. We'll need to check that, but maybe I don't know.
1: it's based on a series of books by, I think Michael Connelly. He's a lawyer who works out of a Lincoln. Uh, that's the car. Okay. By the way,
0: so that's um, where we get the title. Okay, that is
1: where we title. get the title.
0: Yeah, I didn't realize it was because he's a attorney in the in the backseat of a Lincoln.
1: Yeah, yeah. He and and I, I forget like what his, you know, he he's got some sort of deal. Like he, I, I forget what his deal is in that movie. Um, but that's actually a pretty solid little you know courtroom drama, with a pretty good cast, as I recall. And it it, it came like right at the beginning of like his comeback a few years ago that culminated in him winning an oscar and being in everything um it was a little movie not many people saw it but but i saw it i thought it was pretty good so um as i as i remember anyway so if that is what you're talking about maybe people could do worse than to check out the lincoln lawyer
0: okay well there you go And we're going to have to rework how we do What's the Shit, because there's no way I'm letting go of What's the Shit. Um, For one, because, I mean, think about it. You just told us the name of a film based on, we think it's probably correct, based on Matthew McConaughey and a motorcycle gang in quotes. So, um, what's this shit? That's it.
1: And now we'd like to welcome Charlie Brown Sanders III to the studio for his segment, Film History Minute with Charlie Brown.
3: Today I'm going to talk about one of my favorite movies. Made on a budget of $7 million, it was called The Worst Movie of 1985 by film critic Gene Siskel, but is now considered a cult classic. And it would have never happened without Gilbert Godfrey. It is, of course, Pee-wee's Big Adventure. In 1977, aspiring actor Paul Rubens was performing with his improv group, The Groundlings, when he was given the suggestion to impersonate a character one might see in a comedy club. Rubens decided to play a guy that everyone knew would never make it as a comic because in real life he wasn't good at telling jokes. Then and there, from the recesses of Rubens' brain, a character emerged, complete with an insulting comeback. I know you are, but what am I? And what a distinctive laugh. Ha <laughs> ha! Followed by a low, ha 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 Rubens and his writing partner, soon-to-be SNL comedy legend Phil Hartman, worked together to develop the character who was given the name Pee-wee Herman. It sounded like a name they thought that parents would give a child they didn't really care about. In 1979, Pee-wee Herman, fully formed with silly voice, plaid suit, red bow tie, and doll-like makeup, made his showbiz debut as a contestant on The Dating Game, the first of three appearances. During this same time, Paul Rubens had auditioned for the cast of Saturday Night Live, making it all the way to final round, where it came down to him or Gilbert Godfrey. When Godfrey, who was a close friend of the show's producer, got the part, Rubens was crushed, thinking his career was over. He decided to focus all his energy into making his alter ego a success. Paul Rubens was no more. Now he was Pee-wee Herman. In 1980, Pee-wee was cast in a Cheech and Chong movie and with $3,000 borrowed from Paul Rubin's parents and the donated time of nearly 60 people, including the Groundlings cast, he launched the Pee-wee Herman Show, with a midnight show for adults and a matinee for kids. It was an immediate sellout success, and in 1981, HBO picked it up, which paved the way for his first movie. Pee-wee's Big Adventure was written by Paul Rubens, Phil Hartman and Michael Varrell. None of them had ever written a screenplay, so they purchased a book from Sid Field and follow the instructions. The 90-minute movie is 90 pages long, and each of its three acts is exactly 30 minutes long. The original idea for the movie was a remake of Pollyanna, a Disney movie from 1960 in which a cheerful orphan changes the outlook of a depressed town. While working on the screenplay, Rubens was given a 1940 Schwinn bicycle to use to get around the Warner Brothers lot. He loved writing it so much that Pollyanna was scrapped for a parody of the 1948 Italian classic Bicycle Thieves, considered one of the greatest movies ever made. Rubens had given the studio a long list of directors he wanted to work with. When they rejected his choices, he refused to proceed. During The Stalemate, he saw a short film featuring his friend Shelley Duvall, who told him that the film's director, Tim Burton, would be a perfect match for Peewee. It was the biggest piece of luck that I could have had, Rubens later said, because Burton's quirky trademark style brought Pee-wee's world to life in a way no one else could have. Not only was this the first big movie for Rubens and Burton, it was also composer Danny Elfman's Big Break. Elfman had never scored a film, but Burton and Rubens knew of his work with Oingo Boingo. After meeting with them to chat about the project, Elfman went home and recorded a demo of a tune on a cassette and sent it in. That piece of music became the main title of the movie, and to Elfman's amazement, landed him the job. The film is filled with many memorable scenes, including the ranked number five on IFC's list of scariest moments in non-horror movies, The Tale of Large March. Character actress Alice Nunn was directed to perform her entire scene without blinking. However, according to Burton, the scene was almost cut since it required a special effect, and as budgets dictate, those are the first things to go. Another scene featured soon-to-be SNL star Jan Hooks, who improvised all of her dialogue as the tour guide for the Alamo. The drive-in sequence was filmed at the first drive-in theater in California, built in the 1930s. It had served as a set for countless films, including Grease in 1978. It has since been demolished, as have many of the other locations, but the cabazan dinosaurs outside of Palm Springs are still open seven days a week, exactly as they were. Pee-wee's bike was built for the movie by the Pedal Pusher bike shop in Newport Beach, California. In exchange for providing 12 identical bikes, they were offered $10,000 or screen credit, not the hundred million, trillion, billion dollars that Pee-wee demands from Francis. The shop took that money along with an autographed photo of Paul Rubens. Years later, one of the bikes sold for $36,600 on eBay. After seeing the finished product, the studio wasn't so sure it wanted to put much more behind it. Finding it all a bit bizarre, they decided to roll the film out slowly on a regional basis. Ultimately, Pee-wee's big adventure would earn more than $40 million, seven times its original budget. Today, on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, there's a star for the film's hero, Pee-wee Herman, but not one for the real star, Paul Rubens. And now, a look
1: at what we're watching this week. Hey, Corey. Yes, Rachel.
0: What are you watching? Lots of stuff, I assume, because we are in quarantine lockdown.
1: I'm certainly not going outside, so uh, all I've been doing is is watching stuff. Um, I've been rewatching the X Files just because the X Files for me is is comfort food television. Um, I've I've you know grew up watching that show and I've, I've seen the entirety of it a million times and we just started at the beginning and we're re-watching it but that's not what i want to talk to you about how far have, are you
0: into this I'm just we're in
1: season three okay. in season three of 11. um Damn. so yeah you know a long road ahead but you know what i bet you i'm gonna have the time to finish it.
0: Oh, I hope you don't. I'm sorry, but I hope that <laughs> you don't get through season four. That's about what I can tolerate.
1: Yeah. Um, it's still good after that, but but not for much longer. Um I have been watching some movies though, uh, and I wanted to talk about one in particular that got a theatrical release earlier this year, but kind of flew under the radar uh, to such a degree that I didn't even see it in theaters. Um it is a new horror movie uh, called Gretel and Hansel. Did you see yep.
0: this? I haven't seen it yet, but I'm familiar with it. And uh, what'd you think?
1: Uh, I thought it was really, really good. Um, okay. it's, the director is a guy named Osgood Perkins. He is the son of, well, Anthony Perkins, uh, Norman Bates himself. And he directed two relatively well-received horror movies in the past few years, um, an A24 movie called The Black Coat's Daughter, Yep. Uh, which is pretty good and um, I'm the pretty thing that lives in the house on Netflix which is also pretty good um, and this he, he goes into straight up fairy tale territory but of course it's a darker uh, version of the story of, of Hansel and Gretel here renamed Gretel and Hansel because Gretel is a much older sister of the little boy Hansel Right. Um, and it is kind of uh, as much a coming-of-age story for her uh, in this incarnation as it is anything else. Um, the real reason to recommend this movie is is because of the visuals and the, the style of the thing, um, which surprisingly harkens back to some... Uh, pretty elevated stuff. I got, you know, you get notes of like Dario Argento throughout this thing or, or even like Alejandro Jodorowsky. It, it, it's obviously a studio movie, so it's not as over-the-top as a lot of those filmmakers right. movies might be. Right. And it has a pretty obvious studio-mandated voiceover added like like Blade Runner style so that, you know, I guess audiences don't get too antsy when things are quiet. Right, so the voiceover is kind of a bummer, but otherwise uh, the style of this thing was enough to just hold me completely enthralled uh, So I- I'd say it's one of the better horror movies of the year uh, For that reason alone, you know, it's not quite up to the level of like the invisible man
0: So um, good great, which film.
1: is yeah, which is a it's great so great great movie um, But but right below that I would say and, and, and very different so if you're in the mood for you know, something really stylized and, and patient and creepy, I do recommend it.
0: Cool. Well, what I'm watching, I'm actually going to hit three things. I'm, I'm watching a good bit too. Um, I have found myself resorting a bit to, um, to doing some things that are like, I've just got to put my mind to, into, into nowhere land. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, that's, I, I can help. I mean, I do think that that's one of the things like people are, are really realizing is that, Boy, films are sure, films and media sure are a great way to get your mind off of something and that that, it can really psychologically be helpful. Um, And so I'm going to hit three things. I'm going to hit them really quickly, Uh, two of which I am not proud of, the third of which I'm only halfway proud of. So get ready. Okay. And I'm not proud of them for very different reasons. Manhattan. All right. uh, uh, Marie Antoinette. Oh, yeah. And the episodic. Can you believe it? Because I don't normally do this, but I uh-huh. burned through the I burned through the episodic high fidelity, which is on. Her.
1: Oh, interesting. I, I've heard mixed things about that.
0: So here, so let me start here. OK, first and foremost, Marie Antoinette. Oh, man. How does one love and hate a film at the same time? I've experienced this. I've experienced this because I've seen Marie Antoinette. I, there yeah. are so many things about it. And I was in. I was in. I was like, I don't want to say I was on board for what was happening, but I was in in terms of like, I'm going to see this film all the way through. I'm not abandoning ship, even though, ooh, that was hard to watch. And oh, I'm not a big fan of the sort of contemporary music, you know, back in the you know place in a period piece. So, but I, I was on board. The food in this thing is worth watching it for. The food is amazing. And I mean, I know that there's Tumblr sites dedicated to that, so I'm not, you know, I'm not telling people <laughs> something that they probably don't know, but damn, that was worth it. Uh, so I love, hated this film sort of equally. There's great things about it and there's terrible things about it and it's cheesy at times, but then I'm kind of like that. Uh, and it's certainly a visual, colorful explosion of nonsense that I, uh, I think it's worth, I think it's worth having seen it and moving on. Uh, okay. So I hit that pretty quickly. And then there's Manhattan. Um, I have seen Manhattan before. Clearly I, it's, probably was my film school days when I watched it because as you know Woody Allen uh that son of a bitch asshole motherfucker who should be in jail uh, but I did I did watch it anyway even though that's I, I, part of the reason I'm watching it is because this question is something that I've decided to take some of this time that we have to contemplate which is what do we do with these troublesome directors and these troublesome films and mm-hmm. uh this film is innovative we don't have Francis Haught without it I'm sorry we don't Um, and so many other films that one's just the one that comes to mind first Um, but boy oh boy how problematic is it that Woody Allen is having a relation Woody Allen's character in this um, is having a who's a grown-ass man and then some is having a relationship an intimate sexual relationship with a 17 year old and it is part of the plot line like I'm not saying like oh it's a 17 I'm saying like it comes up time and time again you're 17 you're 17 you're 17 yeah Uh, how upsetting is that and so i don't even know it it doubles down on like what do we do with this problematic director when that's the content so anyway it's i'm not answering that question today i'm not even really wanting to discuss it i'm just i've watched it and it's tossing around in my head and then high fidelity uh the episodic um with the lisa with um i'm sorry uh I want to say Lisa Bonet, but it's not Lisa Bonet. It is Lisa Bonet's daughter. Zoe Kravitz. Kravitz. Yeah. And um, it is really enjoyable. Mm. I'm sorry. I, is it cheesy? Yes. Episodic tends to be, tends to lean that way for me a little bit, but I found it to be really kind of fun and upbeat and light. Uh, It is a ridiculous view of, of, of a city. It's a ridiculous sort of New York perspective. I don't, I'm almost like, is, does it take place in New York? Cause it seems so not New York. Um, but yet, you know, att- attempting to be the sort of like city. Of- anyway, it's, it is, it's fun. It's fun. And I enjoyed it a lot and I kind of recommend it. I can't believe I'm saying that.
1: Yeah. I, that's not I, typical for you <laughs> with
0: it's not. Take a look and uh and maybe we'll five minute fight it because hmm. we've never done that for episodic before. If you don't like yeah. it,
1: you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll have to. It's some um, one. I mean, what else do I have going on? You know what I mean.
0: It um, feels really fast. Yeah, I like that. It feels really fast. It again. It's mostly. It's mostly just about sort of a person navigating romantic life in a city, and so you know, the stakes aren't, the stakes aren't terribly high. I mean, I, I say that and then I'm like, I don't, you know, every, it, not to say that romantic relationships don't put the stakes up high for a person individually, but you know what I mean? It's not like, right. the, it's not like it's an episodic about a pandemic or something. So anyway, I, I enjoyed it and I, I, I don't normally watch episodic as I mentioned, but um, one of the reasons why I watched is Bridget Wheeler from Indie Memphis suggested it to me and said hey i actually think you might this you might actually dig this uh, you will find that the first episode is very much like the film yeah uh but then it, it does take a different course a bit of a different course and, and, okay. and uh, i would stay on board through the parker posey episode because parker posey is freaking uh, no surprise here. Hilarious in this thing. Yeah. And uh, that, that That's is what no really surprise. sold it to me was that when we hit, when I got to the Parker Posey thing, I, I, I was like, all right, I'm in. This is, this is pretty darn good. So yeah, that's what I'm watching. So thank you so much for listening to the quarantine edition of Side Talks. Uh, you've made it this far. We appreciate that uh even with nothing else to do we appreciate <laughs> that uh, it and might I, be you know, the
1: first quarantine edition of many to come
0: oh uh, yeah it might be and you know i say people always say it's okay nothing else to do and i mean you just said it and i but like ultimately like i have so much shit to do like i'm so yeah. busy i really am yeah. and i mean you're teaching how many classes and i'm teaching how many classes through this computer screen
1: yeah um, everything through zoom way.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let me not belittle what you might be doing. But you've listened this far. We appreciate it. We're your own personal Emilio Estevez and Rob Lowe. Brat-packing it up a little bit there. Do you like that?
1: Okay. Yeah, I do.
0: Um, yeah. I, you know, I, this is what's weird. I would normally say, well, I'm going to be Rob Lowe because he's clearly, you know, the, the the most chiseled and handsome of the two, and I'm going to pick uh-huh. that route. Uh, but I actually am partial to Emilio.
1: Um even though he directed those movies he directed
0: i know it's not his fault he's a he's
1: it's 100 percent the- <laughs> his fault
0: <laughs> he was born in the 80s he never laughed he can't help it okay i have so many good Emilio estevez stories if you can believe it okay so anyway we're your own personal rob Lowe and of estevez thank you so much to the great folks at Batwall studios who are seeing us through this what amazing people and i know that part yeah. of what people have been doing is thinking about starting their own podcast we highly recommend that you uh, go to Batwell Studios. They will work with you even from home. Um, so check them out. Thank them, and um, I, I'm thanks to our original music from Splash 96. We love you. And uh, what? Check else?
1: us out social media and Sidewalk um, at Sidewalk uh, Film because Sidewalk, as I mentioned earlier in the episode, um, we're in the middle of a membership drive to help support uh, the cinema. Uh, and, and just check us out because we 're doing fun stuff, even in isolation, um, uh, you know doing things like uh, filmmaker q and a s with some of the filmmakers of some of the films that we 're renting through the virtual cinema initiative. Um, we just had a quarantine scramble that I thought went pretty well, uh, so follow us on social media if you are inclined and want to get involved. Uh, we really of course value your support. Uh, not only now, but always. But in particular, we, we certainly could use it now. So if you're listening to this, thank you uh, for being involved with Sidewalk, even in that way. We hope that you will continue your involvement um, and maybe consider getting a membership to the cinema as well. And of course, when we reopen, whenever that is, come join us, because I imagine we're all gonna get rip-roaringly drunk and watch some fun movies.
0: It's going to be a party.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, also, we've been posting some kind of fun, maybe fun isn't the right word. We've been posting some interesting stuff, frame grabs from films with quotes that are appropriate to the current era. So just following us on social media can help you get through your day, I think.
1: So, anyway. I think so too. Bye. Bye.
0: Batwell Studios Podcast Division. Your words, our expertise.